Would you like to live a healthier, happier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Vetter as he introduces you to cultures of health and healing. Get ready now to try out some healing beliefs and practices from far and wide. Here's the host of your show, Robert Vetter. So I'd like to welcome today, Louis Mel Madrona, who's going to be our guest speaker. Uh, Louis is the author of several books, including the Coyote Trilogy. His work discusses healing practices from Lakota, Cherokee, and Cree traditions, and how they intersect with conventional medicine via a social constructionist model. He's been writing about the use of imagery and narrative in healing since the 1980s and is certified in psychiatry, geriatrics, and family medicine. His research collaborations include work on various psychological conditions, issues of psychology during birthing, nutritional approaches to autism and diabetes, and the use of healing circles to improve overall health outcomes. He has taught in the medical schools at Maine Dartmouth Union Institute and University in Brattleboro, Vermont, the University of Hawaii, the University of Saskatchewan, the University of Pittsburgh, and Stanford University, where he obtained his degree in medicine. He was head of a program at Beth Israel, New York City, as well as holding a number of other positions in complementary healthcare organizations, in addition to hospitals, where he has also performed extensive emergency and psychiatric care throughout the U.S. and Canada, including about Aboriginal systems and in Aboriginal settings. He's also published over 100 papers in refereed journals. Lewis and Barbara live in Bangor, Maine, where he currently teaches at the University of New England College of Osteopathic Medicine, practices medicine at Eastern Maine Medical Center and Acadia Hospital, Bangor, and is the director of Coyote Institute for Studies of Change and Transformation. That is one impressive bio. <laughs> it's too long. <laughs> Next so, time, cut it shorter. <laughs> Lewis, let me welcome you to the show. Um, I, I'm doing the, the interview on Zoom, and I'm looking at Lewis dressed, uh, dressed in his doctor garb at the hospital. So Yeah, see my N95? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. So, Lewis, welcome to the show, and I'm hoping that you could give us first um, an autobiographical sketch. Tell us a little bit about your life and, you, and how you got to where you are now. Well, um, once upon a time, there was this Lakota guy who was in the Air Force, and the, the USO in, in those days of the Korean War um, paid local women to dance with soldiers. And uh, this was in Mount Vernon, Kentucky. And apparently they did more than dance because here I am. Um, so um, my dad, uh, his name was Frank, and he was from Pine Ridge Reservation. Um, my mom was Emma. And her family came from Cherokee heritage. I know from my uh, DNA test that I've got a little Greek and, and Swedish thrown into the mix. I don't know how they got there, but 
you know, those Greeks and Swedes are always running around somewhere. And um, so anyway, I grew up in southeastern Kentucky, not too far from the home of Loretta Lynn, near Hell for Certain Creek, although we called it Crick in those days, um, and not too far from Rabbit Hollow, Harlem, Hazard, uh, all those colorful places that are better off heard about and not visited. So, um, so those were my origins, and um, my, you know, my mother was is the real hero, really, of my life because she got us out of Kentucky. Well, not only that, but she protected me from the social workers because in those days, um, social workers were quick to nab Indian babies. And, um, you know, she, she married a guy. Uh, my father and her didn't work out. And she married a guy, a Cherokee guy, Louis Eugene McKinley, and, um, before I was born. So I started life as Lewis Eugene McKinley Jr. And I always thought he was my dad until much later in life. And, um, you know, so I, I grew up in, in Cherokee culture, somewhat vitiated, but, but still uh, spiritually present. Uh, my grandfather was a very serious Cherokee man, though. Um, he and I were not blood related. Uh, he he married my grandmother after my mother was born. But he and she um, had the philosophy and um, the ways of thinking. And luckily, my mother got to go to Berea College for free because it was free for Appalachian youth. And she quilted her way through school and uh, became a teacher. She, her first job was at Crab Orchard High School. And um, her dream was to get us to Ohio. And um, she did. She got us to what's affectionately known as Hamiltucky, Hamilton, Ohio, which has more Kentuckians than Ohioans in its midst. And is next door to... Middletown, Ohio, about which a, a book was written about all the Kentucky people who came from, who came up there to work in the steel mill. So, um, so anyway, I got out of Kentucky and my grandmother made it to the third grade. My mother got her uh, teaching degree and I went to medical school. So, so I really, you know, I really credit my mom for making that all possible. And um, I, I was um, a bit strange as a, as a high school, college student. I was, um, nowadays that would have probably been labeled, but luckily they didn't have labels in those days. <laughs> and um, so I, um, I just, you know, thought, well, I, I either want to be a neurosurgeon, a minister, 
or an astrophysicist. <laughs> Those are my choices. And I, you know, I thought, well, you know, doctors are kind of like ministers who do biology. So maybe I'll do that because I liked biology and I didn't think astrophysics at the present time had a lot of biology. So, so I went to Indiana University and I had this strange idea. Why bother with pre-med? Why not just take medical courses? And so that's what I did. And uh, I graduated with a degree in biophysical chemistry. And it was really funny because, because I came from poverty, I got my, my application fees were waived, you know, for medical school. So I applied to 30 schools, <laughs> which was really funny. And I was, I was a, a, a resident of Ohio, technically. So I got turned down at University of Cincinnati, Ohio State University, Medical College of Ohio at Toledo, Case Western University, and somewhere else in Ohio. But I did get into Stanford, Yale, and Harvard. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I decided to go to Stanford because it had the prettiest campus. And um, it also had, had um, the most liberal curriculum. And um, so anyway, that was the start of my medical career. And um, I, I did my, I started residency at the University of Wisconsin my, in family medicine. And I eventually finished at the University of Vermont in Burlington, Vermont. And really, you know, my, my, um, I'd always been connected with indigenous culture. And um, I didn't really think a lot about it in college. It was just a part of me. And I was just trying to, you know, do well and get into medical school. But at, at Stanford, um, I was at a lecture. And I remember very well the professor who discovered the metabolic syndrome. He looked at us and he said, boys, life is a relentless progression toward death, disease, and decay. The job of the physician is to slow the rate of decline. And that actually kind of freaked me out. <laughs> I thought, you know, it definitely wasn't a Cherokee belief. My my great-grandmother always said that that you should, you know, that you should die healthy so that you could party on the other side with all your relatives. And she didn't really think that sickness and death had any relation. She thought that um, they were, you know, separate, that when it was your time to die, you just died. Didn't matter if you were sick or not. And um, so I was, I was a little freaked. I ran over, ran across campus to the Stanford Indian Center and I burst through the door and there was Henrietta Blue Eyes at the desk and I said, I need an elder. And she said, what tribe? And I said, Cherokee. And she got out an archaic um, artifact called a Rolodex and she went through it and she found me two elders, one in Ukiah, California and one in Garberville, California. And um, they got me through medical school and I just kept 
hanging out with elders, you know, as I went through all my training, first in Wisconsin and then in Vermont. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've tried to strike a balance between um, allopathic medicine and indigenous healing. You know, um, Albert Marshall talks about two-eyed seeing. He's a Mi'kmaq elder from Cape Breton, um, Sydney, Nova Scotia. And um, his idea of two-eyed seeing is really spread across Canada. And uh, it's not so prominent maybe in the United States, but it's spread into Australia and New Zealand. And it's really the idea that there's more than one way to look at something. And, and I think that looking at things with indigenous eyes is important. Sometimes looking at things with biomedical eyes is important. Um, you can't solve all problems with indigenous healing, but you can't solve all problems with biomedicine either. And so we need multiple perspectives in order to help people. And, and really that's been, that's been um, what my career, my life has been about is, is, is um, creating bridges between bio, biomedicine and indigenous medicine, which I think is the original biopsychosocial spiritual approach to, to health and well-being. And um, I don't know that biomedicine has, has been very interested in building bridges, but, but I keep trying and um, writing papers and writing books and, and trying to explain, you know, indigenous knowledge to um, academic and medical audiences and, and um, trying to be sure that indigenous people are getting good biomedical care, you know, which is, which is what one of the things that I'm about in Maine. And um, here in Maine, I, I, I work as a consultant for the five tribes in Maine, for, um, especially for opiate use disorder treatment. And, but also, um, I'm, I'm working on a grant to try and keep people out of the psychiatric hospital. And um, these are all things that seem really exciting to me. So that's that's my career, my life, um, in a in a fifteen minute nutshell. I've got one more question before we close this part, and that okay. is, if if you were able to speak to conventional Western medicine in general, and you were able to just address them and tell them what you thought indigenous medicine could offer to them and to their patients. How would you describe that in a nutshell in, in everyday language? Well, they already, <clears throat> they already have a model that they can look at, which was Engel's psychobiosocial model to which I would add spirituality. And that, in essence, that's the wisdom of the four directions. And, and so... <clears throat> So what I would say to them is, look, um, you know, this, this move toward exclusive biomedicine and, and this abandonment of the psychobiosocial spiritual 
or the psychosocial and spiritual was a wrong turn. And it's not really working out all that well. And, and it's time to get back to our roots, you know, and we, I mean, indigenous wisdom is one source. William Osler is another source. The Greeks, for God's sake, you know, practice something more akin to indigenous healing than what biomedicine is doing now. You know, Asclepius and Hippocrates and, and some of those um, ancient dudes, you know, were all over this psychobiosocial spiritual approach. So, you know, the, the roots are there. Beautiful. Thank you, Lewis. Um, so I'm hoping that people will tune in again uh, for our next episode where we're going to go go on and talk a little bit about some of the people who have influenced you. In the meantime, I encourage anybody listening to go out and uh, check out some of Lewis's books. Lewis, what are the titles of, of your books? Well, there's, there's Coyote Medicine, Coyote Healing, Coyote Wisdom, and then there's Narrative Medicine. Um, healing the mind through the power of story. The subtitle being um, narrative psychiatry. And then there's um, remapping your mind. So those are those are uh, there's a couple that are way old and out of print. Um, but so we won't go there. <laughs> well, I have all of the titles that you just mentioned, so I encourage everybody to to read them to understand more about Lewis's amazing work. And uh, tune in the next time so we can hear a little more about Lewis's influences and then the work that he's doing today. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Cultures of Health and Healing with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe and rate this show and share it with others. Until next time, remember, your health and healing matter, and you can find your own unique path to optimum wellness.